Hello, my friends. Today, we are talking to Ryan Donovan, the CTO at Hootsuite, and we discuss the unique way he does mind mapping, growing your direct reports with stretch assignments, and how Hootsuite has created their unique culture. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning, Joel. Ryan. Nice to virtually meet you. Dude, I was just stalking your Instagram. Oh, nice. <laughs> my uh, my sister has a bunch of the, and my brother, my brother and my sister both have the same type of the dachshunds, right? Yes. No, they are, uh, they are a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. How many, how many do you have? Just the two? Just the two. They are, what I, they are now at the grumpy old men's stage because they are 12 and 13 respectively what are their names what'd you name them uh peter is the is the black and tan long hair and otto is the red short hair there you go peter and otto those are pretty cool names yeah i can't take credit for that that was my wife because they were her they were her dogs and then uh first and then when is we actually met interesting laugh 10 years ago today so this is going to turn into the modern puppy podcast yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you, did you have any kids too, or just the dogs? Nope, just, just, just the, just the, just the doggos. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, they're lots of, they're lots of fun, lots of high energy, right? Oh yeah, they're slowed down a little bit, but they're still pretty boisterous. I'm never uh, when I'm working from uh, from from the house with them. I'm never cease to be amazed at the uh, things that Peter, in particular, can come up with. I saw I saw your little home office. I saw the little uh, hoots. It looked like a little hoot sweet stuffed animal, like the stuffed owl. Oh yeah, no. In my uh, in my, uh, I'd certainly I've got owlies at both the house and the apartment. So that's what they're called, owlies. Owly, owly is our mascot. Can you buy them on on your website? You know, yeah, we sure can. They're actually we. If you go to the Hootsuite store, you can uh, you can actually can get your own owly. This is the first time I'm ever going to push a product on the show. I'm going to go get an owl. <laughs> I'm going to go get an alley. By the way, this is the podcast. Just you and I hanging out, talking about owls, dogs, whatever we want to talk about. Awesome. So how long ago did you get involved with technology? Were you like really in it at like the age of eight or in your later years? So I think I, fr I first seriously started using a computer when I was three or four. Uh, and so, you know, learned to type before I even went to kindergarten. I'd say I seriously got, really seriously got into it when I was in fifth or sixth grade and I discovered that I could write GW basic programs on an Apple IIe to automate my math homework. So that is by far the youngest I've ever heard. Which is amazing. I believe it too, because I have a two-year-old daughter and we've taught her sign language. She won't speak a lot verbally. She'll say mom and dad, but she'll do the sign language. She knows everything we're saying. I could probably get her to type. Yeah, no, I, I think it's really good to encourage kids at a very young age to learn how to use technology, but then, you know, learn how to use it responsibly as well. Like, you know, I certainly didn't, you know, get to play unlimited games, for example, you know, but I could use technology to do anything I wanted to have to do with my, with my school and homework. So then you go through middle school, high school, how did it take the next step? 
You know, I think I figured out, you know, in around high school, you start to figure out, you know, what you're good and not good at. You know, I was, I'm never going to be a champion athlete by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, you know, I, I thought about at one point, I wanted to be a pilot, but then realized, okay, I don't really have the eyesight to, to do that in, you know, technology is something I've always loved and just decided to make a career of it because it, you know, I was coming out of working age just as the internet was really starting to take off. Saw that as kind of a, a big opportunity, started my own consultancy and it just, just went from there. Yeah. I like, I saw that you had a like, very entrepreneurial background. Yeah, no, it's interesting because I've kind of flipped back and forth. I've worked at companies of all sizes. You know, I'm very grateful to have spent the better part of my first decade working at Microsoft. You know, the thing that I took away from Microsoft is how to do it right at incredible scale. You know, from a software engineering and thought leadership perspective, they've always been at the forefront of best practices in software engineering, like, you know, when Microsoft got hacked with Nimda and Code Red circa the early 2000s, the pivot the company took is really set the standard even to this day for how to do, for example, secure software development. Yeah, they're an absolutely fantastic organization. I, I got to speak with uh, Kevin Scott, their CTO. He's super passionate about, well, what, what did we talk about? Like, uh, they're using, he was visiting a company that was using AI to detect rainfall for crops and like how to water crop. It was unbelievable. Oh yeah, no, it's, and I, I still look up to them like the what they're doing across the board with respect to productivity and AI and all that is just quite. Uh, they're quite a uh, force to reckon with, and it's just so cool to see the company going through kind of this second generation renaissance these days. So here comes the big question, Ryan: Slack or Teams? You know, I we use Slack here. Yeah. I, I think it's I think it's kind of a six to one, half dozen the other. I use Teams at my last company, and they're very, very, they're very comparable. I think it really depends on you know what's your corporate infrastructure. Like obviously, if you're an Office 365 subscriber, Teams is going to be pretty compelling because you kind of get it for free. Uh, but if you don't have Office 365, then Slack is uh, a really good choice as well. But to me, it's kind of like it's kind of like Ford versus Chevrolet. They're uh, both they're both going to get you to the same destination, and they're both very very similar in terms of user experience these days. Now that Teams is caught up with uh, with uh, Slack a fair bit, there were a lot of gaps for a long time. So you're really passionate about you know product management, right? Absolutely. You know, I think that <clears throat> I think that product management is really something that a lot of organizations don't. Uh, it's a missed opportunity because if you really build the right product for the customers, you know, that's how you be successful in all things software. And if you, you know, and that's really like if you look at Slack, they filled a void between email and other collaboration and built a huge company on that by, you know, delivering something that customers fundamentally want. So what type of product management stuff are you doing at Hootsuite? You know, it's, you know, so a lot right now we are, you know, really putting the finishing touches on establishing a multi-year product strategy. This is, you know, kind of a first for the 
you know, first for the company and really making sure that we've got the long-term focus to be where our customers are going. It's like, for example, if you look at our customers today, their social marketing maturity varies widely. You've got some customers that are doing super uh, advanced things and it's very critical to their business. You've got other ones that the other end of the spectrum where it's still very much a hobby or a nascent thing. Uh, but you know, one, one thing that's very clear is that all of them are getting pulled uh, into social and they're going to have to be taking social more seriously over the next couple of years because their customers are, are demanding it. So what is, what is Hootsuite? So Hootsuite is the market leading social uh, media management platform. So what the problem that we fundamentally solve is we, you know, for a digital marketing team, giving them the tool set to manage their brand presence and customer engagement on social. And that spawns a variety of use cases from, you know, the content management side of things, such as creating content, routing it through workflow and approvals, possibly even compliance if you're in a regulated industry. Because it's like, for example, as much fun as it was to watch Elon Musk do his 420 tweet that ended up costing Tesla quite a bit. Uh, you know, then engaging with customers, providing the tools to engage with customers at the other end of the customer journey, such as when they're reaching out to the brand and asking you know, asking for help or more information. And then finally, the last piece of it is really kind of the paid uh, component, because if you want to connect the right content with the right audiences, uh, paid media through social is a great way to do it. Because for example, like if you know that you've got a certain demographic, you can do a paid campaign with Facebook and reach exactly your target audience. That, you guys have come so far. I've, I found out uh, Hootsuite, I think it had to be like eight years ago. You guys are at least that old, right? Because it feels- well, We are going yeah. into our 11th year this month. Yeah, so it feels, because I remember I was doing some real estate projects back in 2009. And so that's 10 years ago, yeah. And, that, and I saw Hootsuite because we were uh, building, looking at things we could API with for the agents and then helping them schedule their- social media post. And so I'm so glad I asked you what you did because like the product has evolved so much from just scheduling social media posts to doing all like being able to engage and interact with people. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. And also don't underestimate the compliance aspect of it because that's a, that's something that's becoming increasingly of concern to customers now that, you know, just look at how easily something can go viral on social. So making sure that you're truly saying, the right th the right things is quite important. Yeah, I uh, did a project a few years ago with a financial advisor, and he did a lot of radio and stuff. And I was like, why don't you push through social, like download some white papers or something? He's like, the compliance is, is there's there's nothing for it. And so maybe I'll be like, hey, check out Hootsuite. No, and the other thing too is that you know Hootsuite's also playing an increasingly critical role to integrate with the rest of the customers' Martech stack. So that's where you see us having partnerships and integrations with the likes of Adobe, Microsoft, and Oracle, Salesforce to really help connect all of the dots together. So that, for example, if a customer is coming in on a social channel, you figure out. Okay, here's all the other interactions you've had with them across other digital marketing channels. And of course, the other scenario that's quite keen on our customers is attribution. So like if you do something on social and then they come buy something through the website, then being able to actually tie that together and say, hey, 
this social host is what ultimately led to this conversion. That's what you want. That's how you can track down like your ROI. Absolutely. And that's why analytics is such a big play in terms of what we do now versus, you know, like our start, which was just, you know, scheduled posts, as you mentioned. So tell me a little bit about your team and your culture. Like, what do you guys value over there? So Hootsuite's culture is one of the things that drew me to the company and one of the things that I really like because it's incredibly passionate aligned, focused on the customer and focused on, you know, winning in the market. And that's very much the culture that Ryan Holmes has driven as the company's founder. And something else is that's also part of the culture is really what I'll call the human touch. You know, what we do in terms of our software and our brand promise is helping is helping our customers connect with their customers, but inside the company, it's also one of the most collaborative, you know, and caring for its people cultures of any company I've ever worked for. That's, you know, I, I've noticed that as I talk to these companies that have these amazing cultures, that it sort of creates this like gravity and it just attracts all of these people that have those similar, you know, items that they care about. <clears throat> Absolutely. And that's one of the things that makes it this one of the most fun jobs I've ever had. So tell me a little bit about, I have some questions here. Like what is social selling? Because most of most of the listeners, engineers, CTOs, um, founders, like s- some startups, some more mature companies, and I saw social selling, but like I want to I hear it from you. Like what is it? So this is really the notion of using social to actually go out and prospect customers. So like, for example, consider if you're in the insurance industry, you know, putting together a set of content that you can roll out to all of your people in the field to actually be able to go out safely on social to actually prospect new business without doing something that's going to actually get the parent company in trouble. Like that's a really big social selling use case where you're rolling social out to your entire, you know, sales force. That's interesting use case. It, well, and it's actually becoming very much a thing. It's really interesting. Like one of the things that we do is we have a customer advisory board. We meet with them twice a year. And it's really interesting because I would say more than and half of the customers in our customer advisory board are planning a major social selling initiative in the next three to four years, even if they're not there today. You know, because like in many cases, an organization is only focusing on social within the realm of their marketing or customer care teams as opposed to rolling it out to their entire sales force. But that's very much going to be the next chapter because again, social gives you probably the best tool set in a, uh, in I'll say a highly regulated privacy world to actually connect with uh, the right content with the right audiences. I, I really do believe that because we have a company here and a lot of people piggyback off of like my social presence, right? Like our, we have, you know, two salespeople, we're a growing company and they'll piggyback off of my social presence. Um, and I'm like, you need to post your own thoughts and like, you don't have to go create, recreate the world. Just take a popular article from today and like put your two cents on it and post it out. So people get to know you as an expert in this industry. Cause you, you are an expert, you eat, sleep and breathe this stuff. Like, and so it's, it's been a challenge on like, there, there haven't been a lot of tools that we have found that make it easy for our sales staff to do that. I don't know if we should actually look at Hootsuite, though. Like, should we? 
No, that's, that's actually very much where we're going as a company. It's one of our biggest product investments is what we call Amplify, which is our solution for social selling. It's, you know, it's separate from, you know, the main Hootsuite product. In fact, it was just ranked as a leader in the first ever Forrester Way for social selling as a scenario. And that's really the tool set that we see some of our largest and most socially progressive customers using to roll social out to their entire you know, sales force. I like it's like you've got the market of pain influencers, right? You've got your marketing team just putting out content, lead magnet, call, first appointment, second appointment, you got that. But it's like, how do we take those people that are sitting there all day in sales and actually make each one of those individuals somebody who's producing valuable content or at least their thoughts on valuable content? Absolutely. So that's that's obviously one of the key use cases that we're focusing on. The other one I want to bring up that's very uh, adjacent to it is employee advocacy. We did a we did a, a market survey this year that shows that uh, the number one trust point for a consumer with a brand is actually a direct employee of that brand. And so, if you think about okay, social selling is what is the first wave. The second wave would be actually rolling out social and a curated capacity to your entire workforce because that's who consumers are going to trust if they have a question or a thought, you know, and if they know you or have a friend that works for, you know, works for a particular company, that's an awesome way to actually engage that wouldn't have been, you know, been there even a couple of years ago. See, now you just have my mind spinning. <laughs> I'm just thinking like, this is actually very, very useful. I like this. Is the Amplify tool available today? It is. It is. It's available as part of our commercial packages. Uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's been out there. And we've got some very, very large customers using it. So, so let's talk about uh, your responsibilities as CTO. Like, how do you see those today? You know, it's it's really twofold. So it's building the right pro, it's identifying the right product for our customers, for for our customers, then building it and delivering it as a high quality, reliable user experience. That's really what the job is in a nutshell. Because things like performance and reliability really do matter. And when you've got a software platform that's, you know, scaled to over 200,000 paying customers, you know, that's some serious responsibility. And it, it's also a challenge in the sense that, you know, uh, the social networks are one of the most fluid platforms to build against because they are changing each and every day. You know, in a past world, I've built applications on top of AWS or Azure, uh, this is a whole different animal because Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Google, they're changing all the time. Yeah, it's like Instagram is just like, oh, we're going to shut off likes for a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> then you have to respond like immediately. <laughs> Absolutely. So it creates a very unique software engineering challenge that's, you know, uh, that's getting, I'll say, progressively more difficult as the years as the years progress. That's why, if you look at the social tech landscape, it's actually it's actually shrinking as opposed to growing because it is a very challenging problem, and the barrier to entry to it gets higher and higher every year. So, like, how do you, from an engineering perspective, do you have like a special like fire truck engineering team that like 
repels in and solves the the emergency issue? Like, how do you react to those changes? So we, we actually have a dedicated team. We call it channel integrations that's really focused on, you know, the actual connective tissue between Hootsuite, the application, and the underlying social networks. And they partner very closely with our alliance team, which actually manages the business and commercial relationship with the social networks. And it's their job to stay on top of everything. And so generally we generally we get a reasonable amount of advance notice. It's not long, but we'll generally get some notice of new capabilities and changes. And then we basically jump on those and have built quite an impressive machine to be able to respond to those quite quickly and get them uh, and get them out there. And then same same thing would be like dealing with an outage of the underlying social network because it has happened. We've seen some pretty large Facebook and Instagram outages in the last six months, just as a, for instance. So, so you have uh, probably a lot of engineers, right? A lot of big, big team over there, but how does, how does your direct report team look? Yeah. So it's very, it's a very traditional, uh, if you think about this as an integrated product organization, you've got product management, you've got user experience, you've got, program management to make sure all of the pieces come together, engineering, operations, and then security and compliance. That was like the best answer. You've given that to a board before or something. It's <laughs> uh, a little bit of practice. <laughs> that was so good. It was articulate. It was short. It was exact. I was like, oh, this is a good one. Uh, so I think that's a takeaway in and of itself, like having really good for these questions when you're an executive at your level. That's very important, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, that if I had to say the other requirement of the job, it's be on top of your game 24-7, 365, because it's a, very, it's a very dynamic universe. So how do you approach growing and mentoring your team? So we have, uh, at Hootsuite, we've got multiple paths to do this. So there's obviously the direct one-on-one -on -one engagement. I spend time with each of my directs, both on not only the day-to-day, -day, but making sure they're taking on, you know, new responsibilities and challenges on a periodic basis. We actually have at Hootsuite uh, a very robust, you know, career progression system. So the very defined job levels and like how you can keep progressing up or make a sideways move. We see quite a bit of lateral movement in the organization. And then the last piece we have is uh, we have nudge and learning and development resources, both internal and external, to send people on training. So we do quite a bit of that. And then lastly, we have an actual formal mentorship program. So a good example is I'm, you know, I've been the direct mentor of one of our senior product managers in our Bucharest, Romania office. And so that he's not somebody I would be typically, you know, interacting with on a one-on-one -on -one basis, but through the mentoring program, that's given me a chance to uh, really, you know, engage with and help them. We also have what we call a stretch program to help people take on new assignments and other fields. This also gives folks a chance to try out, for example, an assignment and, or a project in a different department as well. So that way you could, you know, let people move around so they don't leave. Like, cause people want to, we're all humans. We want to do new things here and there. Absolutely. And the nice thing is with a company that's growing as fast as we are, there's lots of internal opportunities. So I saw that you travel a lot, right? I saw a lot of awesome travel pictures. You're in Copenhagen. I, I was just there a few months ago. Um, when it comes to the concept of like reflecting 
that I read a lot about that in leadership books. I, I try, I've got my own little things that I do. I noticed that when I'm traveling, that that's like a naturally good time for reflecting. Do you find the same thing? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the amount of notes I took on my flight back from uh, Europe the other week was just a perfect example of that. Uh, also, you know, I also carve out dedicated time to pause and think about things on a weekly basis, even when I'm not on the road, just because it is such a powerful tool. So you just put like a recurring event in your calendar? Like, how do you tactically do it? You know, I'll spend time like on the weekends and the morning and the evening. So like I'm generally in the office, for example, about an hour to an hour and a half before my first meeting starts just to give me a time to pause, take a situational awareness. And I'll try to wrap things up and make a bunch of notes at the end of the day and take a half hour, hour to do that. Like, for example, I was making quite a few notes last evening uh, as my day wrapped up. And then that really kind of drove a lot of to-dos and agenda for today that wasn't on my calendar. Nice. I'm also a big fan of mind mapping for more, at a more strategic level where, where you've got, you know, that potentially hundreds, if not thousands of interrelated uh, topics to just get them organized. Mind mapping. You just do it piece like do you have a journal how do you do it digitally journal what do you do no, digitally there's actually software program many software programs out there to use it i happen to like corral uh mind manager uh 2020 is the one that I, I happen to use but there's other ones out there and the reason i like the software is that it actually allows you to maintain you know dedicated relationships between topics like, so you can make have multiple mind map sessions and it'll connect things? Oh, no. Or it ends up looking like a tree with many interconnected branches. So you can, like, draw up, for example, uh, an, a, connector, a connector between a topic on this branch of the tree and a topic on this other branch of the tree. Got it. Whenever you go to iterate on that topic, you realize, okay, hey, there's a, there's a tentacle that's going over in this other area. So you don't have to – that's that's actually pretty cool. So you get, reopen the mind map basically like when you're programming and somebody interrupts you and everything clears and you have to like reload everything back into your head before you can start again. Yeah, exactly. Whereas this, this, you can just pick up where you left off and it's all digital backed up to the cloud and, uh, and you can use it on pretty much any device with a reasonably sized screen. So use it on your iPhone. It's that that's too small. I'd say an iPad is an iPad's about the, uh, the minimum to actually be able to see, you know, to see one of the things. Because like if I printed out the one I used to put to get uh, while onboarding a Hootsuite, it would fill a wall. Oh wow, that's pretty cool. Wait, so how do you, how do you onboard a Hootsuite? Yeah, you know, there's lots of uh, you know books on the topic, but I'll just net it out to the best practice. The first thing I did was get to know the team and get to know the aspects of the product that I didn't know. So uh, then I went to get to know the rest of the company. And so meeting with folks in sales, customer support, customer success, and marketing, get to know that. And from there, you know, a lot of trends started to emerge of kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly. So then what I did is... Uh, I scheduled, a, I built an agenda out of the mind map that came from just getting to know everybody. Uh, these are the, uh, these are like a deep dives to go get a 360 degree point of view on everything for like how the engineering team's working to our security and compliance to each of the different product areas 
to also how the product organization connects to the rest of the company. So a lot of, uh, and then from there, that kind of brought out uh, a whole new set of topics and we've tr used those to really pivot into both establishing, you know, a roadmap for the second half of this year that we're executing against. And then that's also fed into what's our multi-year product strategy that we're just finishing, uh, finishing up, you know, as the year draws to a close here. So what's the name of the software again? I want to actually make a note. Uh, Corral Mind Manager 2020. Corral Mind Manager. Because it was it's so interesting because I take a lot of notes too. And there are some times where like my Evernote's really useful, but then there's other times where if I took the notes in the form of a mind map, they would have additional value. Yeah. What I, what I do is I take notes, uh, I, I take notes free form, and then I will go back and put them into the mind map. And that's how, and that's how you start to connect a lot of the dots. So that's important. It's like baking a cake. The steps matter. <laughs> yes, they most certainly do. So I have got a hypothetical question here for you as we start to wrap up. Uh, let's say, where are you located, by the way? I'm right now. I'm in, I'm in Vancouver at our, at our corporate headquarters. You're in Vancouver. Okay. So is it snowing? Lots of ice? No, it's gray and rain. It's gray and raining. That's so sad. We're going to change it. We're going to say it's snowing and there's lots of ice because it's hypothetical. And you're out on holidays, right? You're, you got some candy canes. Uh, you're out on the ice, ice skating, like on a lake, right? <laughs> and your wife is there and you guys are like loving it, okay? And all of a sudden, you notice this person skating next to you has sort of a South African accent, right? You know who it is? Elon, Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's got these little turbo jets on his skates and he's showing you them and they're very cool. And he asks you, he says, hey, come check this out. There's a pine tree in the distance, right? You guys go skate over to the pine tree. He beats you with his turbocharge. And behind the pine tree is a time machine. And you go mm -hmm. into the time machine, you go back to your 10-year-old self. Now, let's say I'm going to change it. You go back, the time machine had a, an issue. You go back to your 18-year-old self. You're just starting out uh, professionally. You're just 18. Uh, what advice, you can only give one, but what advice would you give that version of yourself? Get out and enjoy life a little bit more. Balance work and uh, balance work and fun a little bit more. I'd say that if I think back if to think back to that time, I was probably I was working and studying around the clock. Didn't take a lot of time out for, to enjoy life, and those are just some missed opportunities. You seem like a very happy person, Ryan. Sure, you know, I, I have no complaints. <laughs> do, do you work on it? Do you consciously like, like think about like, you know, is this making me happy? Like, how do you approach happiness? Uh, you know, I think what you have to do is look at the positives in any situation, even when you get dealt a dealt uh, a blow of some kind. You have to look at, okay, what did I learn from this or what good can I make on this and focus on that, focusing on the negative is just a way to get into a spiral that usually does ends poorly. Yeah, I've been, I'm getting older. We're all getting older, right? But I'm starting to learn now in my thirties that like, like the most logical thing after sort of wrapping my whole mind around like different ways to live is that yes, bad things happen, but the, like logically you, I used to not be a positive person. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't, but I found out that like logically 
after looking at all the options, you have to be positive because things are just the way they are. And it really, it's really affecting you and your life and it's your choice. And so you have to like make the decision to see it, find the positive. Like whenever there's a problem, I'm just like, okay, the problem there's like, is just a solution that hasn't been converted yet. Like how do we convert it? Uh, or this, yeah, <laughs> this thing's negative, but like, okay, what's on the opposite side of negative positive? Like, let's just flip that thing around, right? Let's flip that ion around. <laughs> so yeah, make, make lemonade out of the lemons you dealt. Yeah. Amazing lemonade. And mm-hmm. then, and then lemon, lemonade popsicles and then start selling those because you're in mm-hmm. Vancouver and it's cold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have a pretty cool headquarters there. We do. It's uh, we actually have two buildings, a couple blocks apart. The uh, one that the product organization's in is actually a former Vancouver police precinct. Really? Absolutely. And we even have a bullet hole of one of the conference rooms to uh, show for it. Does it still? Do you still have any cells in there? No, no. Those are, those have all been converted into conference rooms, most of which have a very impressive owl-themed piece of art on the walls. <laughs> so does anyone ever say that this place feels like a prison? Nope. Never, no. <laughs> never heard anything uh, even remotely like that. Usually it's more, uh, could you, can we get faster coffee machines? Oh, let's do it. Let's do some Adrenos to measure this rate of coffee for the machines and then systematically improve performance over time yeah exactly so hey next time i'm in the area because like whenever i find guests that like i really really like awesome successful positive people i always make a note in the spreadsheet and say hey when i'm traveling around this area i'll reach out to them and maybe we'll both be in town at the same time and we could uh, say hello get together would you like that i would love it but but if you're gonna be in vancouver drop me a line please awesome is there anything else that we didn't cover that you want to get out into the world? Maybe if people want to experience that culture and hang out with Ali and work at this type of place, would they go to your website? How would they learn about careers? Uh, so we have a great career page on our, uh, on our website. We can also check out our LinkedIn page. We're quite active on that as well, too. We also have a very active Facebook page. Those are good places to check. But you can also search for the hashtag Hootsuite Life. And you get, you know, we have a pretty heavily engaged employee base. So you can see a lot of the fun our other, our other peeps have by looking at the Hootsuite Life hashtag. I like that. And that's L-I-F-E? Yep, hoot sweet life all, nice. all together. Nice. Thank you so much, Ryan. We did it, man. We made a podcast. 